Welcome to Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about the Mi'kmaq people and the Halibut First Nation. I'm Glenn Wheeler. At the head of the Newfoundland Mi'kmaq Band is a life chief, Reuben Morris, whose home is at Con River. Though the Grand Chief at Eskasoni, Cape Breton, is higher in authority than the Newfoundland Chief, this amounts to but little, because the contact between the two bands is necessarily loose, owing to the difficulty of communication. As regards Montagnier influences in Newfoundland, we learned that from early colonial times, the Labrador Indians often traversed the 10 miles of water in summer or the ice in winter, which separated them from the island and established temporary headquarters there. Early intermarriages between them and the Mi'kmaq were so common that more than half of the older Indians in Newfoundland today have Montagnier among their grandparents. By Frank G. Speck in 1922. I was at the Halibut Chief and Council meeting at Quarterbrook on June the 10th. There were about 20 band members in attendance, far more than most meetings. It is good to see members interested in their band. As might be expected, the Grossmore Indigenous Cultural Festival was the subject of questions from members. We learned that Sherry Dean has resigned as chair of the Halibut Cultural Foundation, another casualty of the Grossmore controversy. And it looks like the band and the Cultural Foundation are throwing responsibility for holding the festival to local people in Cowhead and Port Saunders. The ball is in their court, it seems. I talked to a number of people in the area, and all were in support of the event. For their sake, hopefully it goes ahead. And here we are, a few days before the summer solstice, also known as National Aboriginal Day. Many of us will be marking the day, attending sunrise ceremonies or concerts or other special events. This year, the Canadian government is pushing National Aboriginal Day big time, including it as part of Canada 150, the Confederation anniversary. But let us remember that the Mi'kmaq people of Newfoundland have our own distinct history, separate and apart from other Indigenous peoples. I talked to Sagamaw Mazel Joe of the Meobagag First Nation about what we suppose our relations were doing at this time of year, when winter had finally made its exit and they had left the country for the coast. So, you know, the first thing I would say is that uh, June 21st is, is my idea of, of Canada's birthday and not so much the 150 celebration that's taking place. Not that I didn't run with, you know, the non-Aboriginal people celebrating uh, Canada's 150. We've been here for 10,000 years. Yes. But at the same time, uh, what I remember our people most about is uh, they, they lived by the moon. Oh, the sun played a role too, but it was moon. The moon that itself played a bigger role in our lives in terms of when we went fishing, when we went hunting, when we cut wood. All those things uh, was part of when we planted vegetables, when we went to pick uh, uh, medicines from the land. It was all around the moon. Maybe twenty, you know, June 21 was the longest day in the year, whatever it is, but I don't think it played an important role as, as 
the other time when the moon was at at its right time for for the planting of vegetables or the hunting of animals or the fishing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in traditional times too as well, uh, women that had their moon time, that was a special time too as well. Mm-hmm. But I remember uh, growing up uh, to some degree, not a lot, but some degree, in early spring, people would uh, leave their winter camps. Here in Con River, they always had winter camps and summer houses out in, in the community. I remember, uh, you know, people uh, coming back into the community for the summer and getting ready for, uh, you know, fishing harvest uh, for food fishery, for eels, salmon, codfish, uh, any kind of fish that was there. And uh, so they enjoyed this, this coastal, you know, or bug-free summer, if you want to call it, in many cases, like they wouldn't have back in the woods. Hmm. And, and would, that, would that be uh, around, uh, would that be in June, or would that be a little bit would, earlier? It would be earlier in June, if I remember correctly. It was when the house was all gone and it got warmer, and then they would move back into the community, because the whole idea of the winter house is that they're closer to good wood supply, they're also closer to the interior of the land for hunting, and uh, so they would every fall they would pack up and go back to those winter camps, and sometimes they would go back during the summer to make new camps. But in the spring, uh, when the ice was all gone, it got warmer, they would move back to the community. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that had a lot to do with uh, uh, June 21. Not that I'm aware of, anyway. Mm-hmm. So uh, I guess we're not. Uh... As far as we know now, uh, and of course, uh, you know, we've we've lost so much of the history, but we're not aware of anything, of any particular ceremony regarding uh, the solstice itself. And it might be that the more significant things for our people would be would be the moons. And there was uh, there was uh, there was there was a uh, a full moon on June ninth, another one on July ninth, so a month apart, the full moon. So they might have been looking more at the moons. Um, rather than the solstice itself. Yeah, the the moon and the tides were all a part of our way of life uh, back then, and, and still to some degree. And I and I think if we want to look at ceremonies in terms of, of where we live now, we live. I think every day that you had a family around you, you had something to eat in your bellies for everybody in the community. That was a that was a celebration. Mm-hmm. And. Well, we we grew up knowing that if if our if we were well fed in our family, more nine times out of ten, everybody was was had something to eat. But if we were hungry, we know our neighbors was hungry too as well. So when, when we had something to eat and we were well fed, uh, that was in a way a celebration. And back then, uh, moms and dads were always around, grandparents. Uh, so when we sat down to eat whether it be breakfast or, or dinner, uh, it was a family time. and was a celebration time. Mm-hmm. And I, and the other thing, as you say, people were, were on the move from the winter camps to um, closer to the water, and I guess people would be would be meeting each other because it might be that people would have uh, met each other on the way out, on the way from, um, uh, from their winter camps to the community, or they might have met... Uh, on the water, so I guess there was uh, a lot of a lot of meeting other people at this time because uh, everyone was on the move. Yeah, they were coming from different locations, and and they would all gather. You know, the beach was a, it was a, like a, a we call it it's called Saint Anne's Point, 
for whatever reason. But it was a beautiful beach where in the 1800s when Bishop Fleming came to Con River, there was only wigwams, and there was only one person in the community that spoke Mi'kmaq at that stage. So that was a gathering place in the spring when people moved from the from the interior to back into the community. So their summers was on the beach, so that was a gathering place. And mm-hmm. when Bishop Fleming came here to have mass at the first time, that uh, there was a caribou skin hung between him and a person going to confession, and there was an interpreter for, for the bishop. The, the sins was told in, in Mi'kmaq, and, and there was somebody translating them to English. So that's how far back that history of that beach and beyond that that I know of. So it was mm-hmm. a gathering place, much the same we would have a community all right now. The beach itself was a gathering place. And uh, and, and as you say, this time of year, I guess there was more um, in terms of uh, of um, of living additions. Uh, it would it's um, of course the worst of the, the the winter is gone, and even though um, the spring can be cold, and even the summer too, for that matter. It's not uh, as cold. Uh, I guess is more comfortable than in the winter, and there will be, uh, I guess, readier readier access to food because, uh, in terms of being uh, of hunting uh, caribou and uh, and other animals, I guess the fish were more of a a certainty yeah. than the than the larger animals. Well, you know the the the, the springtime was generally a calving time anyway, and. Uh, and breakup time. So people didn't generally go back to hunt. And back then there was no moose here. There was only caribou or bear and other, you know, um, long fur animals like beaver and lynx and those types of things. But again, those were seasonal. And when spring rolled around, everybody at that stage was craving for eels and codfish and salmon, all those other things I didn't get, including seals back then, I would imagine. But, uh, you know, today it's changed around a lot, and we, we spend a lot of time thinking about June 21. But uh, I would think, you know, uh, from what I remember, uh, it had no really big significant part in our life because it was, our lives were based on other things, like when the, when the highest moon, when, when the moon's going to be full, it's going to be a high tide, or when it was going to be a good time to go fishing. Uh, all those things are part of our lives that I remember. Now, I don't know... You know, further back, I'm 70 years old, so I don't know what's further back than what I can remember. I'm sure there was something. Now, of course, this uh, this year being, uh, there's the Canada 150 thing going on, which has uh, been, uh, I think, fair to say, somewhat controversial for for Indigenous peoples because uh, the last 150 years, you know, have had, you know, there have been, there've been problems. So uh, uh, celebrating is, um, you know, is, is difficult for some people. And I wonder what you think of um, of how to approach um, Canada 150, which is being tied in with a lot of the June 21st uh, uh, celebrations. How do you feel about having uh, Mi'kmaq communities and and powwows associated with uh, with Canada 150 celebrations? Well, you know, um, people will do things based on their community in different ways and what they believe in. We we don't you know we certainly have no grudge against the Canada 150 and we'll celebrate in our own way. It may not be on uh, Canada 150, but uh, you know the, the communities that are will will you know flock to that uh, Canada Day celebration. Uh, the 150 
air. Uh, there won't there won't be a big big celebration on that day. I, I, I look more at uh, June 21st as a day of celebration and, and giving of life and the coming of life of plants and things around us. Uh, matter of fact, we're going to be in, uh, in Peterborough delivering uh, birch bark canoes to that museum. We're leaving on Sunday to fly down there. The canoes are en route by truck. So we won't be here during uh, any celebration that's uh, taking place uh, for Canada's celebration. And then, of course, you have your, your powwow coming up in, in July, so that'll be uh, bigger than uh, Canada oh, yeah, Day or, or June 21st. Well, even even uh, things that we do on, on uh, National Aboriginal Day is sort of small because our powwow is so close and a lot of resources going to making that day, uh, that powwow day, a special day for the community and for everybody else. So the two are so close together that we, we tend to make that a small event and go for the bigger one in July when we have our powwow. 